one of the interesting effects of our um, efforts to flatten the curve of coronavirus is, is that we've, we've taken this big surge of, of coronavirus and we've squashed it so that it occurs over a large period of time. But what our health system has also done is it's, it's pushed down on normal healthcare needs to, to squash them out of the way, to make way. But it, what that's done is then created a bulge of cases that's, that's waiting and, and is needing healthcare. Hello, I'm Catherine de Volder. This is Thinking Out Loud, conversations with leading philosophers from around the world on topics that concern us all. This is a special edition on ethical questions raised by the corona pandemic. Here in the UK, we're past the peak of the coronavirus pandemic. But new and complex ethical questions are arising. Because of measures to protect healthcare personnel, many healthcare services are running at a much lower capacity than before the pandemic. There are now enormous waiting lists of patients whose treatments have been put on hold. How should we choose which of these patients can be treated and which ones will have to wait? Dominic Wilkinson, professor of medical ethics and consultant in newborn intensive care, sheds some light on these complex issues. Okay, so there has been um, a lot of talk about rationing of intensive care resources um, the past few months. Um, is that issue still relevant in the UK now that, we've act that we're actually past the peak of the pandemic? The, the biggest ethical challenge in the first phase of the pandemic was the, the difficulty of anticipating very large numbers of patients with with coronavirus, COVID-19. Now we're now in a different phase of the pandemic where the, the number of cases are, are falling. And one of the big problems that's emerged is that um, the, the huge efforts that the health system has engaged in to free up capacity for patients with COVID-19 has come at the cost of all sorts of other healthcare needs. So now there's this big difficulty in how to, to move back to caring for those other patients as the, the cases of, of COVID-19 reduced. The challenge uh, of that is that um, it is twofold. So, so it's the, f the first, first is that there will be ongoing cases of, of COVID-19 over the next months to potentially longer, depending on when the, the the uh, there's either enough immunity or there's a vaccine um, so there's going to be that in the background and that will presumably increase again when when there's more spread in the community the second is um the health system is having to be very uh organized in a very different way to try and reduce spread and reduce um risk for health professionals uh, and that is not an efficient way of of looking after lots of patients with non-COVID illness. If you, if you have to take extra precautions in your operating theater to reduce the amount of virus that might be around, the operation might take twice as long as normal. If the operation takes twice as long as normal, that means in an operating day, you can do half as many patients as you would normally. And there is a huge backlog of patients who have not had their operations, but also all their other medical care over the last few months. So you've got COVID-19 in the background, you've got um, patients needing ongoing healthcare, but 
reduced ability to do that and a huge backlog. We have in the uh, in the coming months a, a huge challenge of competing needs of different patients. Do um, different considerations come in play? So people have thought about how to allocate scarce medical resources among COVID-19 patients. So do we have to think in a similar way about um, sharing resources between COVID and non-COVID patients? So the, the ethical principles look to be similar um, uh, in that there isn't anything intrinsically special about COVID-19 itself, but the illness or people who have this. It's not that this illness is deserving of uh, treatment more than other illnesses and the ethical principles that have been thought of and applied to rationing or prioritization of COVID treatment also apply to other illnesses. But there is a, a challenge um, when we're talking about other illnesses is that it's, it's very difficult to compare. For example, how do we compare um, a patient uh, who's had a stroke with a patient who's got COVID-19? Um, how do we compare uh, the needs of patients with non-life-threatening illnesses um, with those of, of COVID-19? So there's an issue of commensurability. That's both um, epistemic. It's, it's difficult to get the rele relevant facts straight when we're talking about different illnesses. What, what would be the impact on quality of life or qualities? And if we wanted to talk in a purely uh, econometric way, we could talk about the qualities of stroke treatment versus COVID treatment, but the, the, the data is often not there to enable comparisons. But then there's also a philosophical issue. We can think about two big uh, competing ethical theories or principles. So what, one is um, benefit. So, uh, and, and if we prioritize benefit, we say, how can we do the greatest good for the greatest number? That's obviously a, a utilitarian way of framing that. And on the other hand, we have equality and fairness, and we can say, how do we uh, treat people's uh, needs equally? These two ethical principles compete. When we've got relatively large amounts of, um, uh, of resources, it's, it's relatively easier to favor equality. Um, it doesn't come at the cost of huge amounts of benefit. At the peak of the pandemic, we're, it's, a, it's very obviously a question of, well, how many lives do we save? Um, an egalitarian approach um, of, for example, tossing a coin to decide who gets the ventilator is, to most people's minds, uh, completely inadequate. It, it, the, it's simply a question of how do we save the most lives? Where we are now is somewhere in between. And in a sense, that makes it more difficult because we now have to choose between these competing values. And that leads us to, to, to the other really difficult element of the pandemic, which is uncertainty. When it comes to, to trying to plan relaxing our health system and restarting surgery, we simply don't know quite how many cases of COVID-19 we'll have. Obviously, if there'll be very few, we can open up the health system a lot. If there's going to be quite a lot around the corner, we can't open the health system very much. So th this balance between the healthcare needs 
is, is, is intensely complicated by the fact that we don't know what to do or, or how best to do it. So how do we go about choosing between um, healthcare needs of, of various types of non-COVID patients? So should we prioritize potential cancer patients or patients who need some certain types of operations? How do we even start choosing who goes first? So, so within every area of medicine at the moment, uh, health professionals are trying to work out, well, how, how do we deal with a big backlog of patients? Do we simply um, work through our waiting list from those who were about to be seen or have had their, their operations cancelled um, and we add new people to the bottom of the list and they'll get to, uh, we'll get to them in some time? Do we, or do we do something else? Again, we can think about uh, an egalitarian approach, which would say, for example, maybe you just take first come, first served. You take the queue model and say, well, who, who's at the front of the queue? We'll deal with them. We'll get to the back of the queue eventually. Um, versus a utilitarian approach, which would say, hang on, there's nothing ethically relevant with when you arrive uh, for needing healthcare. Um, uh, and operating first come first served or some queue system means that you treat people at the front of the queue um, who might be quite capable of waiting at the cost of people who are in the middle or the back of the queue who have no capacity to wait who for example will come to serious harm through waiting that doesn't make any sense from the utilitarian point of view the practical challenge of trying to to apply a, a, a utilitarian approach to the big backlog of patients is is firstly um, that it can be very difficult to choose between patients. On what basis do you reprioritize this list? So it's quite a difficult task to do. Um, and of course, it, it will be very unpopular with those patients, for example, who were just due to have their surgery in early April or late March and who were cancelled and who now suddenly find themselves at the back of back of the list and being told that they've got another six months to wait. So it, it will be politically challenging um, and also uh, personally challenging for the health professionals. There, there may be patients, for example, who are on, on the list um, who, because of the backlog, um, would no longer be considered for surgery. So it might be, for example, given the current state of the health system that health professionals say, look, Certain types of surgery we're not going to do at the moment. It's the benefit's too small and we've got too many patients to care for. But there may be patients like that already on the list who people have said, yes, we'll operate on you. So do you say to them, I know we said we'd do your operation, but now actually we've changed our mind. Um, so here you've got a, a, a problem that's exactly parallel to the withholding and withdrawing problem that you get with ventilators and intensive care. One option, um, uh, and it'd be interesting politically um, to know how many patients would be willing to forego their, their, their surgical spot in the next six months and say, well, actually given the pressures on the health system and also perhaps given the uncertainties of perhaps catching COVID if you go into hospital for uh, an operation or an appointment in the next little while, perhaps I'll I'll wait until next year. I'll, I'll put off my surgery for, for my knee or shoulder or mm -hmm. 
uh, or whatever it is. Something like that is important. I think it's also important for clinicians to, to, to pay attention to those patients who are waiting and to look at ways to mitigate um, the, the costs and harms to those patients. So that, that might include um, uh, ways to check in on those patients, making sure that they're, uh, that if they're, they're developing more serious symptoms, for example, so say their, their chest pain is worsening, that they can be re-referred, they can be shifted up on the list. Um, or if it looks like actually uh, that they're, um, uh, they need a different sort of therapy, maybe they need physiotherapy while they're waiting, that they're, they're prioritised for those other therapies because here they're, they're being, being made to wait. Thanks for listening to this Thinking Out Loud interview. You can also watch Thinking Out Loud videos on YouTube on the Practical Ethics channel and remain up to date via the Thinking Out Loud Facebook page.